0: I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You're listening to our podcast edition of the program. I'm really honored to welcome our guest today, Rebecca Jones. She is a scientist uh, who was recently employed by the state of Florida and uh, muzzled for her truth-telling amidst COVID. As it was hitting, uh, she was the person charged with documenting the insurgence of this virus, and uh, ultimately, she lost her job because she wanted to track accurately and scientifically soundly this pandemic. Uh, Rebecca, we're honored to host you. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Rebecca, you are the founder of FloridaCOVIDAction.com and the TheCOVIDMonitor.com. Let me ask you about your tenure. When did you discover definitively that that they wanted to conceal the record and not really count in the way that would be appropriate the number of cases coming in.
1: When they flat out asked me to change the way that we did the numbers. <laughs> that's, that's about as definitive as you get as when they actually ask you to do it.
0: And just as a TikTok timeline of this, was this at the point when there was uncontrollable spread resurgence of the virus across the United States.
1: So this was for Florida during uh, the end of April, when we had somewhat stabilized cases and had appeared to be effective in trying to keep numbers down. What happened very quickly was there was an attitude shift that occurred when the state decided to reopen prematurely. And since they had such a robust data and surveillance tracking system available to the public, they wanted to use that um, as evidence for why it was safe to reopen, to state that the state met certain benchmarks that it didn't actually meet to justify reopening.
0: So, so how were how those data manipulated, Rebecca?
1: They asked me to do a lot of things, some of which they're still doing now. Um, one of the first things that we did was we sat down with myself and three other folks from EPI and looked at what criteria we were being advised to use that the White House had set forth, which is testing uh, statistics and surveillance and hospital data, things like that, and kind of came up for what, we, what I actually uh, coined as the metrics for reopening. And when it became clear that based on the metrics that we, the scientists, thought uh, most accurately captured trends would not allow them to do this in the way they wanted to, they decided to drop pneumonia from the surveillance data altogether, just stop collecting data on it, um, to not work with the agency that monitors hospital information for probable cases and deaths. Um, as advised by the CDC, they decided to change the way we calculated positivity. So it was no longer the positive people tested divided by all the people tested, which is a percent. It was now new cases, which is different than positive because you only count once when you're a new case divided by the number of total tests done for that day, which includes repeats, duplicates, things like that, which diluted the denominator by about 40% almost immediately. So everybody all of a sudden, Every county that didn't meet that criteria almost suddenly did, uh, which basically served to eliminate that criteria altogether, um, because positivity was supposed to be either below 10% or decreasing for two weeks straight, and most did not meet that. And when that still wasn't enough, uh, one of the leadership people, uh, which I say in quotes, which you can't see... (laughs) who is um, the deputy secretary of health asked me to open up the spreadsheet and look at certain counties. And when I showed her that some were 18 or 20% positive that they wanted to reopen, which is twice the threshold, she said, well, we'll just change it to 10. Just move it down, change the number, make it look like it works. And um, that was one of multiple things I was asked to do. Uh, Eventually, I was asked to just delete all the data, delete the entire site. This was a site that uh, Dr. Deborah Burks had gone on a national, you know, tour of morning television shows touting as being the best in the country. I got a call from Esri the weekend before this happened saying that the federal government wanted to take my data schema and how I set everything up and have every single state adapt to it. That was going to be the new standard. Um, even though I had never really planned for something like that, I had accidentally or over time somehow curated this, uh, template that was being applied across the country. And so when I was asked to take the whole thing down, um, by someone who is not a superior to me, was not a superior to me, was not even in my division. And I said, no, Um, that I needed a directive from someone above me in writing to do something that drastic, I think I ruffled some feathers. And when I was given the directive, I did it. I said it was wrong, but I did it to hide all the data, all the information about Florida, just take it down. Um, Because we were reopening the next day and they didn't want the data up when they decided to announce to, to start opening the doors of Florida during a pandemic. And about 45 minutes later, there was such a, Um, shock (laughs) by all of that disappearing that they asked me to put back up. And then I was taken off to the next
0: This sounded to me and still sounds to me like the People's Republic of Florida um, with the manipulation of, of data and with the evidence of that manipulation and the way you describe on death certificates. How aware do you think Floridians are of the deceit that was going on? And are they more aware of the threat of COVID and the need to protect themselves now than they were three months ago?
1: No, absolutely not. I think I think it's weird to talk sometimes to people who are from the West Coast or the Northeast uh, because we seem to have been living in entirely different worlds for the last several months. Um, there's really nothing that I can't go do. I can go to a bar tonight if I want to. I can go to a restaurant and see my friends and just hang out. I can go to work, um, go to school, anything that I want to do, I can do. There's no real restrictions in place right now. Uh, Some counties have mask ordinances. So I have to do some of those things with a mask on and that's it. And so life has for many people just returned to normal. And that's part of the reason that we see this uptick in cases. I think that, a lot of the corruption that happened um, at DOH, even that I was not aware of at the time, um, makes it so difficult to trust anything the state is saying that a lot of people have felt like, what's it matter? I mean, they're not handling it. Um, I was supposed to be locked down so that, you know, the state could figure things out, get resources uh, by their time, and and they didn't do that. Um, they're acting like nothing's changed. So why can't I just leave my house and go be with my friends and my family? And I understand and I fully appreciate that frustration of feeling like we're trapped. Um, but at the same time, nothing has changed. I try to emphasize this so much when I talk to people who feel like that. And I ask them, I say, what has changed since March? What has actually changed? What progress has been made? that makes you feel like it is safer now to go out and do these things than you did in March. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have any new radical treatments that just make it go away. Nothing has changed. And now we're doing this massive experiment with children who have by far been the most shielded group or demographic this entire time. We shut down schools in Florida when there were 300 cases across the entire state. There have been more than 600,000 confirmed cases in the state, and we reopen schools face-to-face. So okay. it's just its amazing to me how mentally people have become so exhausted from it that they, f- they needed connection to other people. They needed to feel a sense of normalcy. And because the state has failed so horribly at driving information home, And because politics ended up basically creating the structure of our reopening plan rather than the science driving it, there's no one to tell them any different.
0: Is it exhaustion, Rebecca, or is it willful neglect by citizens themselves? I mean, let's separate the negligence of the government, DeSantis, and company. What about the people?
1: I think there's obviously you have a camp of people who would, you know, go diving free with great white sharks if somebody told them to. Um, And they're angry and defiant. But even that, I think, comes from this some deeper place of exhaustion, of having basically, and and I know this is somebody who's studied natural disasters um, my entire life, who's lived through Katrina and many others. After a certain point you become numb to kind of the horror that's around you. Um, it's like living in post South Mississippi, Katrina. It became so threaded throughout every single day, like driving past, you know, the slabs on highway 90 or the smell that didn't go away for over a year that you just, you feel like you don't care anymore and that, you know what you're, you just have to move on. And I feel somewhat like that's part of that. I mean, this is actually called exposure exhaustion. It's a thing. And it's about how much we can tolerate emotionally from a disaster before we just don't care. And I think a lot of it is that I'm frustrated. I don't like, I mean, because I am adhering (laughs) to the rules that we should be enforcing. I'm not going out to bars. I'm not going out to restaurants. I'm not doing any of that stuff. So I feel the same way. I feel like I miss people. I miss being around people. Even if it's just like being in a restaurant alone where there are other people in the restaurant, you know, we, as humans, we, we need companionship and it's really hard to have gone six months now without any of those things. Um, for those of us who have followed it and, yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's, it's not great. And you know, I've run out of hobbies, and I'm sick of cleaning my house, and I you know promised myself I would learn Portuguese, and I tried for two weeks and gave up. so it's it's really frustrating, and I understand it. Um, now, the willful defiance um,
0: screw you, I don't care belligerent and defiant from the outset without any modicum of consideration or care.
1: Well, yeah. Um, and those that happen to be the loudest idiots, you know, in, in the bunch, you know, somebody told me when I was a kid that, you know, a, an empty can makes the most noise when you shake the rocks around. So, you know, it's it's really just stupid people listening to a man who has no education, really who is not a scientist, wouldn't understand the most fundamental parts of science, even just basic, this is what a atom is, he probably couldn't tell you. Um, really kind of a, what is, uh, what is the word I'm trying to find here? <laughs> um, invalid. Uh, you know, in a very dangerous, stupid person. And um, when you have somebody with that kind of power and they happen to be such a moron, the people who follow will do what they say and they'll believe it. They will believe it with everything that they have. And it's crazy. It's insane.
0: You're referring to Trump. Yes. And how does his leadership compare to DeSantis? Uh, Because DeSantis is someone who at least by you know, the, you know, book smarts uh, was educated and, um, you know, theoretically should believe in science.
1: Donald Trump is, if anything, a cult leader and nothing more. The word leader is very um, generous towards him. He has been an obstructionist in this response. Every time scientists or doctors try to make progress, he interrupts it, he interferes with it. Sometimes he outright stops it. Um, It takes only looking at his uh, potential use of an emergency authorization for vaccines to see how unprepared and unknowing he is for something like this. To suggest that we would use emergency authorization for a vaccine that has not completed phase three trials, could the long-term damage potentially done from that experiment, that social experiment of doing that uh, would have implications, not just across coronavirus, but of vaccination programs across the world over time. And uh, of course at being a moron like him, he doesn't understand or see those fissures. or doesn't care. That's, you know, he's stupid and doesn't care, which is especially dangerous. DeSantis is not stupid. He is a calculating person who does things with purpose I think the only time that he really screwed up was when he went on his now infamous rant about me and about how the media had reported that scientists were concerned about Florida cases. Um, and of course, a month after he had that rant, I launched my new site, um, which raised over $200,000 in a couple of weeks and Florida cases did exactly what myself and other epidemiologists at the state said they would do. They skyrocketed and thousands of Floridians died because of it. I've worked responses with DeSantis in the past, and he has not been obstructionist. Um, I wor- He came into the hurricane Michael response, which hit, um, October 5th, I think, or sometime in early October, and the election was November, and he took over while we were still in that response period. Uh, I was the lead for all of our basically moving stuff around, uh, moving patients and and planning for evacuations uh, for the Department of Health with Hurricane Dorian, and he was obviously governor during that. Uh, I also worked the hepatitis and influenza responses every year. And I have never, ever seen him micromanage any element of any of those responses. With the hurricanes, which was the only time I ever saw him, he came in, he gave a couple of pep talks uh, to our very exhausted teams, which we needed, and basically said, you guys tell me what you need and I'll get you it. And that's my job, which is honestly, for a politician, the most that you can ask for is for you just to come to them and say, hey, we need, you know, 5,000 trucks for this. And he gets you 5,000 trucks. That's what you need. Um, And I had praised his response to coronavirus up until the end of April, publicly, actually, um, saying that, no, I didn't vote for the guy. uh, But I thought he was very measured, and he had done things that surprised me uh, while he was governor, some very uh, pro-environmental legislation, and that he was a godsend during emergency activations and um because that's my whole life is you know natural disasters and the science of how they work and um it was very strange to see him become so involved in our day-to-day uh in mid-april-ish and i came from a point where i was working 16 hours a day Um, I was up and gone before my kids woke up and I was back after midnight every single day, every single day, not a single day off. And so I didn't have time to watch like the news and to see what people were saying on television. So that was somewhat irrelevant to me. Now I've seen a lot of it now looking back and thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe people were saying that at that point in time because we knew so much better than that. Like that's not true. And we knew it at that point. But when it was going on, I had no idea what he was actually saying to the public. All I knew was what we were doing behind the scenes. And I had no problem with that until it was time to reopen. And um, I don't think he's stupid. I think he made a calculated decision. I can't speak as to his motivations. I don't like to guess why people do things. I think it's even possible that he considered that, uh, given some of the rumors about how his relationship with Trump wasn't so great at the time, that if he didn't go you know in line step with Trump and was the governor largest you know state with a governor Republican who is, let's say adversarial or indifferent to Trump, then it was possible that we would end up in the same kind of bidding war with resources that we saw in New York, or that funding that he wanted wouldn't get passed, or that Trump would find retaliatory measures if he didn't do what he wanted. Um, that is my naive wanting to believe in the best of people thought, um, because it was very dangerous. They knew it was very dangerous because I told them, um, other people told them, if you do this, this is what we think will happen. And, um, it, it it was exactly what we said would happen. And so my only reasoning for a man as smart as he is or seem to be um, is that he weighed what would happen if he publicly went against Trump because we know Trump is a psycho and will cut off supplies and resources to states that publicly embarrass him on how poorly he's done. Um, we've seen that. So that's a possibility I th- for such a smart man, the stupidest thing that he did was drilling to me if he had kept with his first response of she's just tired on on vacation and privately looked into the the warnings that I was saying and the people who asked me to do these things um, I would not be famous I wouldn't be 40 under 40 or one of the 50 experts to trust during a pandemic or profiled by time or any of this other stuff I would be no one exactly who I was before the genius, you know, geographer who came up with this system. That's what I would have been.
0: And it would have stayed that way. So Um, so. let me, let me ask you, being a student and a teacher of science, you, you you have to be hopeful that despite what you're saying about the callousness of the political reaction and the exhaustion of the citizenry that in Florida and in the rest of the country, but let's focus on Florida you know there will be um a realization of, uh, about uh the need to heed science and scientific warning and practice and so to your mind rebecca is it a, a certain level of mortality and and uh, seeing the the death count at at a certain number in order for there to be a kind of unanimous recommitment i don't think it's that simple
1: um I think if you look at the complexity around other scientific issues, you'll see that there persists wavering support throughout time. Um, climate change, of course, being my background, my academic background is one of those. And in Florida, they're, because of their exposure to the impacts of these things, and even in you know, conservative South Louisiana, there's an acknowledgement of the science to an extent. There is plan for mitigation for those people who are living it. But if 13,000 people dead isn't motivation enough, um, I don't think that there's any number. I You can have all the science in the world, and it sometimes just doesn't matter. I mean, we have projections now of if we maintain things the way that they're going right now, uh, there could be, double the amount of deaths by the end of the year or by next year. Um, And that doesn't seem to really bother anybody in Florida. The state isn't even tracking cases in K through 12 schools. I am, I am the only resource for tracking cases in K through 12 schools in the state of Florida. And that is not how it should be. It should not be like that. The state should be responsible for this. If, if we, they're now in the place where they're interrupting the, the flow of data. And so if we're not even allowed access to data, we can't model things. We can't compare different strategy for mitigating the impacts. We can't take different measures and say, okay, well, these two schools are very similar, but this one did really well and this one didn't. What was different and why? We can do nothing. And that is really terrifying is when you restrict even the information that people are allowed to do the science with. And um, there's all kinds of research that we would love to do. Things like early detection. So if you have X number of school of students in a classroom of X size, and one is positive, what are the odds that some another student in the classroom will become positive within a certain period of time? Um, that could be useful in a variety of ways. It could we could find out that if no one else tests positive within three days, then you're probably not going to see any more cases. Uh, Which would really allow us to kind of be more flexible with those, you know, quarantine times, but we can do none of those things. And that is incredibly frustrating. And I think it shows people's apathy towards the science. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, we should listen to the scientists. But I don't see anybody storming down the governor's mansion when he won't even release data about our children. This is a whole new chapter of this virus. Since the start of this, schools were closed. Youth activities were canceled. We just opened schools face-to-face in the entire state of Florida today. And we have no access to data, none. And that is terrifying.
0: Wow. Rebecca Jones, um, we salute you for your uh, conscience uh, and your dedication to tracking when the state of Florida refuses to, Rebecca Jones, you can find her at floridacovidaction.com and thecovidmonitor.com. Thank you so much for your insight today.
1: Thank you for having me.